0: What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football coming to you live from Caesars Palace. Connor and I are set up again in the sports book. I've basically fucking lived here all week. Um, my eyes are just like, full of smoke. It's been so much fun. Uh, but we have a great show today, Connor, because we're continuing our theme of You Week here at Stick to Football, even though we didn't know it was going to happen. But it's good because we have Santana Moss and Antrell Roller are going to come out and talk to us in just a little bit.
1: It's really turned into Miami week, which is awesome because obviously they're kicking off for week zero tomorrow. So we're going to get to talk to Santana Moss and Antrell Roll together. They'll be out here in about 15 minutes. It's going to be a lot of fun. Clinton Portis was great. I hope everyone got to enjoy that show earlier in the week. I feel like we should have tried to get a Florida player. Mm, We haven't been too nice to them in the previews, so maybe not.
0: Maybe not. I know Florida fans have been in my mentions all week. Before we get to the guys from Miami, I do want to talk to you about preseason week three. Traditionally, this is where we would see a lot of the starters. Uh, And we talked about this earlier in the week that we're not going to because Matt Nagy and and folks like that are saying, no, we're not going to risk injury. So we haven't seen the, you know, the full half of some teams. But there were good games on Thursday night. And it's kind of a coming out party again for Daniel Jones and the New York Giants, who he just continues to look amazing in the
1: preseason. He really has. I think the most impressive thing has been the accuracy. He looks extremely accurate. Uh, He is pushing the ball down the field. I know Giants fans are already questioning why isn't this guy being considered as a as the starter this year, but they're going to roll with Eli Manning. And we've said it, as harsh as we were on the New York Giants when they took him sixth overall, because there are superstar expectations there, Matt, when you're a quarterback taking sixth overall. Right. He's come out and done really well. It doesn't matter that he's playing against a lot of second, third string kind of guys, because like you said, no one's playing their starters. But we would like to see him get that opportunity, and I think if anything we've learned... The leash has to be somewhat short on Eli Manning in the beginning of this season. For
0: a normal team, you would think that the leash is going to be very short because of his yes. struggles in the past. But we've already heard ownership say things like he threw for more yards last year than he's ever thrown before. And his touchdown to interception ratio was one of the best he's ever had. I, I, I'm i with you. I agree. Like It should be a short leash. It definitely feels like ownership is so committed to us seeing the end of Eli Manning on the field. Like They're going to let him go out there until his damn arm falls off. It's they so attached to him. Yeah, they are. On them two Super
1: Bowls. Well, and it's starting to show in Pat Shermer's press conferences, I think, a little bit. He's getting frustrated by follow-up questions from reporters asking about it. It shows that I don't think he has much control over this decision, but... When you look at the Giants, how that schedule starts out, once again, it doesn't matter if Eli is throwing for 300 yards a game. This is about wins and losses for the Giants right now. And if Daniel Jones simply gives you the best chance to win, he has to play at some point this season.
0: Uh, A couple of the rookies who stood out. I I, I didn't prep you for this one before the show. How about Trace McSorley? He's been
1: tearing it up in the preseason. (laughs) Which has been really exciting because, number one, I know on the desk at Bleacher Report in New York, we were shocked where he got drafted. Yes. This was someone that I believe multiple teams put in a request to work out as a safety at the NFL Combine. Now he looks like a capable backup quarterback in Baltimore.
0: I I never, watching this kid throw for a couple years at Penn State, I never would have thought we'd be here. But, I mean, I think it speaks to the, he's been written off at almost every level, but he's won at every level. High school, college, he was very successful. This, I think, is a good offense for him. I don't want to get too carried away because it is the preseason, but he went 19 or 20 for two TDs last night. Yes. So he's at least getting in the stat book. I mostly wanted to mention him because anytime you're an NFL quarterback and you're the same size as me, I want to give you some love.
1: Without a doubt. And I think it's awesome to see certain players being selected because they're such good system fits. This is going to be a unique offense led by Lamar Jackson. And I think McSorley, you know, when he got drafted, a lot of people were wondering, is, you know, Taysom Hill starting a new trend as an extra quarterback? And I think McSorley's come out and, and proven that he has a more capable arm than a lot of people expected.
0: We finally got a look at Darius Geis last night, uh, coming back from the ACL injury that cost him his rookie season. He rushed 11 times for 44 yards. There was a clip that, that kind of went viral for a little bit, but I mean, he had a killer stiff arm. I mean, just going back to the LSU days of him really putting dudes in the dirt. And, and I love Darius Geis, and I, I hope he's successful. God, he looked kind of slow.
1: I think it's going to take a little while to get fully back up to speed. Now, one thing I did like to see a lot, Matt, is that what made him such a famous runner at LSU was the power. And he's really tough to tackle. He creates his own yards as well as any prospect we've seen in a while straight ahead. I thought he got to the outside. okay. but like you said, we don't know if there's going to be that breakaway speed. But in this Washington backfield, it's good to see a potential power runner. I don't want to say workhorse, because once again, it might take some time. It took long enough for him to get cleared. Yeah, But some baby steps taken for Geis in his return to action.
0: A couple rookie defenders uh, who stood out last night to me. Josh Allen continues to look amazing for the Jaguars. Brian Burns looks very good for the Carolina Panthers. And, and I will say a second-year player that we liked a lot, Minkah Fitzpatrick, has looked very good for the Dolphins this year. So those teams might not, especially the Dolphins, have a lot to look forward to this year. Not a lot to root for. I mean, hopefully we, we see... Josh Rosen becomes something and maybe get some more reps he was only five of seven last night they didn't give him a ton of throws but those defenders are guys who uh, you can't watch a Jags game right now and not be blown away by what Josh Allen's doing
1: no he's been very impressive I think he's been very explosive which is something that we really liked about him last year in the draft Uh, Miami definitely has some offensive line questions of their own I think for Rosen and Dwayne Haskins it's interesting to see there's just not a ton of reps there. Both teams are opting to give those to Ryan Fitzpatrick, Case Case Keenum. Keenum. I I don't really love that decision in the preseason. I think the young quarterbacks should really get as many throws as they can, and I think both have flashed. We even saw Haskins working to Kelvin Harmon a lot last night because they're really playing at the end of the game, both of those guys, especially with Terry McLaurin still hurt right now. So A lot of positive signs from young players in the preseason so far. Like you said, Brian Burns, he was billed as a potential sack artist, and we've seen a couple double-digit sack games already early in this preseason. Uh, One last note before we bring out uh, Antrell, before we bring out Santana. I don't know how much you got to
0: watch this game last night, but Raiders Packers, they had to play on an 80 yard field because the <laughs> a lot of reasons in Winnipeg were so terrible. And one thing I liked that I will say, neither team put starters out there like Derek Carr did not play Aaron Rodgers. Like they're not out there throwing the ball around 20, 30 times trying to get ready for the season. I mean, this was the Deshaun Kaiser show and Nathan Peterman show for the most part.
1: Yeah, and Tim Boyle. Who Tim Boyle did throw the le- ball? Legend- legendary college career. I think he threw one touchdown, had like thirteen interceptions. Right. So, I, I mean, Matt, these are the kind of games where coaches are coming out, and the top seventy percent of the fifty-three man roster, they're not even seeing the field. Why bother at this point? Right. Yeah, Tim Boyle, the pride of Eastern Kentucky, I think. He's he played a couple I, places. I, I pulled but that one out of my ass. N- <laughs> right. good for him. He's somehow got into a camp and right. he's making the most of it. And maybe this is a good sign for Matt LaFleur's offense. Maybe I'm a little early on that, but it's still something to keep an eye on when Rodgers gets out there.
0: Our guy Mello is on his way to Vegas today, tomorrow at noon. Here in the Sportsbook, we're going to be doing a live event with the fans. Uh, so if you're looking for something to do tomorrow, come hang out. We're going to be doing a Q&A. There's going to be some beers.
1: Maybe lay some money on Miami. That's what I, I'm doing. You keep
0: saying you're doing it. I need to see you do it. I'll do it. I, we'll put it on yeah. the stick
1: to football Instagram if we need right. proof.
0: Right. There we go. It's going on the board card. <laughs> uh, I feel like Joe's somewhere shaking his head no at us right now. But until someone stops us, we can do whatever we want. All right. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a lot about the U. So we're just going to trash Florida State for about 30 minutes. You guys OK with I'm, that? I'm cool with that. Yeah. Always good with that. Always good with that. So okay. Antrell Santana, welcome to the show. I, I think one thing that, that I was talking to you about backstage is this is was started as primarily an NFL draft podcast. And so if you guys can can go back in time, one of my favorite questions to ask is, and actually you can go first, what was your draft moment like? You guys were both very early picks. What was that moment like for you getting that call?
2: Uh, It it was a great moment for me. Uh, I got asked to come out to New York. I'm not really a big fan of the spotlight or anything like that. So I was like, no, I I think I'm going to turn on the offer. And then my dad was like, What's wrong with you, boy? Like, this is the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. <laughs> yeah. And I remember Gil Brandt was giving me a call, and he was trying to force me to come. And I ended up going out to New York for the draft. And, man, let me tell you something. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I actually, you know, embraced that moment and took it full, uh, head on, man, because it was,
3: it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Mine was a lot different. You know, um, I knew I was going first round, just didn't know where. Uh, some folks were saying from what I did that year, I should have been the first receiver taken but I'm 5 foot 10. So they was like, "Hey, he it, it would never be a guy that small go first receiver." So we knew it, it was going to be somewhere mid first round or later. And uh surprisingly, I went 16 pick to the uh, to the Jets. The week prior, the week leading up to the draft, I got all my calls from Washington DC. <laughs> and I'm one of those guys like, "I'm not from Missouri, but you have to show me. I'm not going to sit here and bank on going to Washington." But that's what everybody wanted had me projected to go on. and Come draft day, uh, Schottenheimer, good thing that I was in my home with no, no, not a lot of family around, just my mom, my dad, and my brothers. Uh, I wanted to keep it neutral. I didn't want all the party and all the festivities until I, I actually got drafted. Uh, I was in the house, and um, Schottenheimer wanted a taller receiver, so he took Rod Gardner. And he was with Washington. He was the quarterback. I mean, I mean he was the head coach at that time. And the next pick, the Jets moved up and got me at the 16th pick. So.
0: Does anyone remember how his NFL career went? Rod Gardner? Yeah. <laughs> oh,
3: I remember vividly because by the time I
0: came it.
3: back to Washington, he was supposedly be still there. You know, so when I got to get, you know, so I played four years in New York. And 2004 was my last year there. I get traded to Washington in 2005 and talking to Coach Gibbs on his second stint. He's like, it's going to be you at the Z receiver and Rod Gardner would be our X receiver. But Rod Gardner wanted out. He wasn't happy with what he had done, you know,
1: up to that point. And probably that was like the last time I heard him. Well, I grew up in New York as a Jets fan and you were one of the rare first rounders that we were ecstatic about. But obviously, a lot of your playing days was, were at Washington. Yeah. Uh, were you excited to go there because of... All the pre-draft interest there. You obviously had some former college teammates there. What was that transition like? Well, going to New York. Going to Washington from well, New York. Going to Washington from New York. I wanted out of New York,
3: period. Okay. Not that no offense to no New no, Yorkers. no It was a bad time. My experiences there just it just didn't add up to what I expected the NFL to be like. Out the gate, I got hurt and the media got on me for just being injured. You know, I couldn't do nothing about it. You tear your knee up, what can you do? You know? And um, I bounced back from there and had three stellar years. Um, I was a Pro Bowl alternate two years out of four years I was there, once as a punt returner and once as a receiver. So you would think that, hey, this guy has lived up to the, to the hype. And then my fourth year, when they knew I was supposed to get paid, the team itself tried to blackball me. They didn't want to give me the ball because they didn't want to have to pay the big bucks for me. And so that year still put that behind me. We went to the playoffs. I played big. I led the team in yards, touchdowns had two touchdowns in the playoffs, and I find myself in Washington. Like, how could you possibly have a guy of my caliber go out your door after the performances I put on the last three years? So it was to me like a sign of, you know, it was a sign of relief because now I get a chance to start over, and Washington was something that I thought
0: that was supposed to happen way before I got to New York. And, actually, you were the eighth pig in the draft. So going to Arizona, how much of an adjustment was that for you? Being a kid, that you're from Miami, you go to the U, and now you're in Arizona in the fucking desert. Like, well, how tough is that? <laughs> it was a huge
2: adjustment. Like you say, I'm born and raised in Miami. I've been, I went to college at the University of Miami. I was in Miami my whole life. And all of a sudden, 22 years old, bam, you know, you're in Arizona. You're, you're four and a four-and-a-half-hour flight away from Miami. Uh, you know, it was tough. It was tough because before the draft, there was two places I said I never wanted to go. One was Green Bay, and the other was Arizona. And the reason <laughs> why I didn't want to go to Arizona is simply because of the bad taste that was left in my mouth from, you know, the 2002 National Championship, where obviously you, you, everyone knows about the the flag in Ohio State. It just left a very bad taste in my mouth, and I didn't want to go there. And Thanks. sure enough, you know, I, I get on the phone and, Hello? You know, it's Dennis Green Denny Green. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Denny Green. And, you know, you have to put on the front. You, you're always ecstatic because it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. But I did not want to go that far away from home. And more importantly, I did not want to go
0: to Arizona Cardinals, who had a losing record for I don't know how long. What was it like getting there? Because you're one of the few guys that shut Larry Fitzgerald down in college. How much trash talk was there back and forth between you two once you got to the Cardinals? <laughs> It never ended. It, it, yeah. it never.
2: Not only did I shut him down, but I busted his nose. You know, <laughs> mistaken. You know, he never let me live those moments down. But you know, he he became one of my one of my better friends and one of the hardest workers I've ever seen. You know, until this day on the gridiron. You know, he's a guy that you know how he how he's been over his career. It doesn't surprise me because he's a guy that honestly. He plays the way he practiced each and every single day. He's the only guy I've ever seen catch a ball and run 100 yards, no matter if it's a slant, a hitch, or a fade route. He's running 100 yards every single, every single time the ball touches his hand in practice.
1: And Antrell, one thing I, I love about your career, it's almost like you had two different careers. You came in as a superstar corner, and you finished as obviously an all-pro safety, but a Super Bowl-winning safety. What was that transition like where you've been a shutdown corner from college To the NFL, you played nickel, then you go to safety. Were you happy about it or kind of upset at first? (laughs) Oh, boy. That tells you everything. You know
2: what? When I went to Arizona, at Universal Miami, we played press man. I never backpedaled one down at Universal Miami. And when I get to Arizona, they tell me, okay, we want you to play nine yards off, but I have to play every route. He's a receiver. He knows that if he runs a slant and I bite him the slant and he runs a slant and go, Yep. That's touchdown.
1: He's gone. Yeah, he's gone.
2: So as as a corner, I was a guy. It was all mental for me. I never wanted to give up any route. I don't care if it was two yards or fifteen yards. I, I I just carried that much weight on myself. So I can never really play as aggressive as I wanted to because I was always scared of the double move. So I never really got beat for touchdowns, but I gave up the seven yards, the nine yards, and and it, it didn't it didn't work for me. So we get a new coach, Coach Wizard Hunt, my third year in. And he obviously had a different mindset. You know, he was like, I'm going to bring in Raw Hood from Philly. Then they started Eric green. So I, I, at that point in time, became a nickel corner. Yeah, I remember that. I was a nickel corner. I didn't pout. You know, I just put my head down and kept working. That's what we know from Miami. You know, tough times on not last. Tough people always do. Yeah. And at the end of the year, well, during that year, that's when I had one of the best games of my career against Cincinnati. Um, playing against Chad Johnson. Chad Johnson and I had a mutual friend. And... He told my friend, man, I was looking forward to burning your boy. But, man, I'm not even going to get the chance because he's not starting. And when he did that, honestly, it, it, it struck a nerve in me so bad that I watched film until, honestly, like my eyes were just literally closed at night. And I studied film, and I studied his routes, and I studied the quarterback, and I said, Carson Palmer is very aggressive. He's Even when he's even when the receivers are covered, he's going to throw the ball. So I knew third and short they were going to run it out with Hush Mazada. I knew Third and eight to ten, they were going to run a double slant to try to get Chad Johnson. So I was picking those off left and right, and I'm a returner. You know, this yeah. is what we do. Yeah. When we're young, we're always offensive players. So when I get the ball in my hands, it's going back the other way. And uh, from that point on, at the end of the at the end of the year, the coach said, "Man, listen, <laughs> we got to have you on the field." What do you want to play? Corner of safety. I said, I don't care. Just put me around the ball. And yeah. that's, how, that's how the transition went for me. That's what's
3: safety. up. I never knew that story.
0: You, you mentioned being returners. You had four-punch return for a touchdown your last year in Miami. Yeah, four. Which, I mean... I'll brag for you because I don't know and if you'll don't dead. give I, me no credit for I, that. I, man. I, I'm gonna no, give him credit. They like don't they forgot got, credit <laughs> for the season. I mean that's a hell of a lot of punt return touchdowns. Yeah, did you did you feel like you were a better threat as a punt returner or as a receiver or just like, I mean you were all purpose right as a, as an all American. S- su- uh, surprisingly great question. Surprisingly, I never
3: knew I was a punt returner. I mean, <laughs> I spent my whole childhood years of playing little league and high school ball as a kick returner, and. Uh, I remember the day that punt returning was presented to me by Coach Davis. Two of our guys went down. We got we, we, you know back-to-back weeks. And he came up to me jokingly the first time. And he was like, hey, I need you at punt return. And I was like, ain't going to happen, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw how guys have to sit there and wait on the ball. It's terrifying. And if yeah. someone's not blocking, I mean, to me, I just thought it was like one of those things, like if you want to set somebody up, that's the best time to set them up. So I'm like, Coach, it's impossible. I never did it, one, and then, two, I'm not trying to take those licks. That's one of the reasons why I never got in the backfield because folks wanted me to be running backs growing up, but I didn't want to take those hits. (laughs) And the second time a guy go down, the the next week, he say, I need your punt return, Santana. And I was like, ain't going to happen, Coach. He say, no, this is I'm not axing. So I'm like, oh, (laughs) shit, (laughs) he's serious. (laughs) The next week I go back there, we play East Carolina, I remember it. East Carolina beat us that game, but I had one of the one of the nicest punt returns ever, and that was that started my career. And what we understood by just watching me as a punt return, what I began to understand a little bit myself is when I got the ball in my hand, anything could happen. You know, it made me believe that I just needed the ball now. You know, so throughout my career in Miami, I look back on it a lot now that I'm retired, and I'm just I've been thinking now because I, I tell folks all the time when I played in the league. I barely thought about college. I was so in tune of doing what I had to do now, and didn't want to fail at what I was doing now. I didn't look back. So now that I look back at that stuff, I'm like, man, you just had to get the ball in my hand, regardless of what way you was doing it. I was gonna make something happen.
1: Is that a mindset you developed from being a walk on? I don't understand how you were a walk on anyway. Like a four three kind of speed is it because of size? It's just an it's, amazing story. It's easy to be the, you know the guy
3: that I was because you know I go to a high school where they did it the right way. You know, Kara City Senior High down in Miami, um, I'm pretty sure I'm not, everybody's familiar with it, but we did it the right way there. You know, our coaches didn't let guys go both ways. We ran the wing T offense, where you had two, three backs in the backfield, option quarterback, and we ran the ball half of the time. My senior year, coach said, hey, it's time to throw the ball. We got to, we got to, you know, we we have a chance to go to state. Let's open up this, you know, this offense. That's when I made my noise. So, Getting into Miami was—I was a walk-on. I could have went anywhere else to be a football player, but I took the opportunity to get into Miami. And beyond just you know being a walk-on, my mentality was to go out there and earn mines. And so uh, I've always was going to go out there and give them you know more
0: than what they thought they had out of me because of that's just how I was brought up. For both of you guys, did you ever think about going anywhere other than Miami? I mean, just being from there, and especially the, the time periods that you were there. You know, during I, I the jump all over Miami this question
3: years. because people <laughs> don't know that it's funny. I'm from Miami. I'm just like Trail, We both from Miami. You grew up loving everybody. You kind of like Florida State. You like Florida. And you, I'm, I, I never saw myself going to Miami because I was a fan of Miami, but I wanted to leave home, and. I was a chief in high school, and we had the, we had the same. Doom, doom, yeah. doom. So I'm like, it's only right for me to go to Florida State because we do the chump. can yeah. But by my junior year, Speria was throwing the ball ridiculously at Florida, yeah. and everybody that touched the ball there was getting a 1,000 yards. And so that's what I was intrigued with. Like, hey, I have to be a Gator because all the receivers from Jacoas Green, I hear you, the guys who I grew up watching, they are superstars. I want to go there and do that. So – by my senior year, I wanted to be a Florida Gator because of this. The receivers alone, I was so you know in love with their receivers, mostly Hoyers Green because I thought he was the type of receiver of my same stature, punt returner. You know, he's a return guy. He's a guy that you know catch the little you know hitch, hitches and take him to the house. I wanted to be him, and it's crazy how ironic it happened. I was him in another form in Miami.
0: Right. How about for you? I mean, you were Miami all the way, right? No, 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 no,
2: no. no. I was actually Florida. <laughs> I was Florida. I was I was a Florida guy. I, I like Miami. But I didn't follow Miami as closely as I as I, as a, maybe as I should, you know, being that it was my backyard. But I was a Santana Moss fan, you know, so I would always watch him. and And my favorite thing with Santana was like when he got a ball, it was it was almost like poetry in motion. The run style, the form, it was it was almost like, is is it for real? Like is it real running? Because it was, everything was just so smooth. So I was I was a huge fan of that. But I liked Spurrier, you know. I was blown away with the visit to Florida, but. I went to one U.M. practice, an unofficial visit. I went to one U.M. practice, and I saw the way those boys got down, and I said, nah, Ma, this is where I belong. Mm-hmm. Because it was so competitive, and like it was literally like they were trying to kill each other. That's what Clayton <laughs> Portis was telling us about. Yeah, it was It was like they were honestly yeah. trying to kill each it, other. It was but, almost a
3: fight every day. <laughs> but, when that, but when
2: that whistle blew... I never saw a brotherhood like I saw there. Yeah. And it just made me feel so at home. I was like, man, this is, this is where I belong. And from that moment on, there was
0: no questions. I was a UM all the way. You guys didn't overlap, right? You were, no. no you, you got drafted and you came in yeah. right after that. Yeah. So how did, you, how did you become friends then?
3: You just know the guys. I mean, like he just spoke about the brotherhood. I heard a trail, you know, growing up in the area, and you see the, all the high school games, so you know who was who. And then when they have their recruits, you, you know, especially when you leave, you come back to the games and you're watching the game. So you see the talent. And then he wore my number. So it's like, shit, I'm watching number six. Right. <laughs> I'm watching the guy who got what I had on. And for him to be a DB, it, it stood out. You're like, damn, this guy out here making, you know, causing havoc. But it was like crazy. Like how he said he was a fan of mine, I was a fan of his. And he didn't even know that. I didn't even know he was a fan of mine growing up. But that's just how things is. And Miami, one of the things that allowed us to be who we were, you know, as players on and off the field was the guys that came back. When I saw the Michael Irvins, you know, the Ray Lewises, the Warren Saps, the guys that walked in those doors, Lamar Thomas, and Lamar Thomas came to me. I remember this thing like it was yesterday. We were getting ready to play Florida State at Dope Campbell. Lamar Thomas came and spoke to us in the meeting room the week of the game, and he said, if i don't see you guys dancing on the field when they start their chant i'm gonna tell coach to get y'all off the field you all you have to feel like that's your song it was my song I I, <laughs> I, I I grew up in high school that, that was my that was our chant but he said you got to let these guys know you got to psych their psyche out to let these guys know that you're for real you're here to do what you gotta do and i promise you. You will intimidate these guys because they want that to be a part of their game. They want to come out there with that Indian and do all that stuff. And they want you to be intimidated by it. But you have to you have to relish in that moment. And I remember being in Dope Campbell and we down a touchdown and I got like 180 yards and two touchdowns. And I'm saying, he was in line. This is, you know, this is the best game I've played up to this point against Florida State. And I was loving every moment of it. We lost that game. But I remember leaving that game and CJ talking to me and saying, man, you know what? It was nice coaching you because he thought I was done because he's to tell us when you play against the Florida State, right. a competitor like <laughs> Florida State, and you play at that level, all the scouts saw that. Everybody yeah. in the world have saw balancing. that. It's time for you to go. Yeah. And I remember just saying to myself, like, yeah, whatever, and didn't have much to say about it. But all that stuff came back to me because that that was Lamar Thomas in my head the whole entire game, motivating me and encouraging me to go out there and play at a level that I didn't even know I had tapped into yet and that's what gave us the ability to go out there and be the guys that we were you know at Miami because so many of those guys walked through these doors you fast forward a year from there my senior year the last drive to win the game the Shockey scored the touchdown Michael Irvin was called in the plays I literally ran a pass caught the ball Michael Irvin said come out of bound got a He say take a breather let somebody else go in I need you to make another play put me back in there I run another play make a play Put, oh, put us closely. Shocky scored a touchdown. It's crazy, but that's the kind of guys that we had. They came back and they, they thrived in us in those moments and made us who we were because we were sitting in those seats watching them do their things for so many years.
0: You didn't have Ed Reed calling out coverages and stuff to you? Man,
2: listen, Ed,
3: Ed Reed was our everything back then. And, then, yes. you know, that, that's the guy who, who
2: I always say, you know, he, he's the ultimate he, – that's the first definition of leadership. You know, when, I, when they say, you know, leadership or, you know, a lot of people – you know, they they, they they say, and Trill, you know, you're such an awesome leader. I'm like, I've had great examples in front of me. You know, all we have to do is follow the trend because we had great examples in front of us, and it, it was set in stone. You know, like we – I carry the number six, right? I got the number six after Santana. So if I didn't live up to those expectations, that number was that number was forever. I didn't even know a number six before he put it on. Yes. That number was forever on the spotlight at that point. You know, once he carried then I carried We're always watching who wore number six, you know, so you got to go out there and you got to play ball. Like you said, that's just our mentality being, you know, from the South Florida, Miami region. We know how to play ball. We know how to go out there and get it.
1: Uh, This is an era where everybody pretty much does their three years and they move on to the NFL. With the exception, there are a few players, but you guys stayed at the U, even after junior seasons, you guys were stars already. You probably could have went off to the NFL. Is there any reason or is it a pride reason with the U why you went back for that extra year? Um.
3: Well, personally, me, uh, I remember having those talks. Surprisingly, um, I had close family members that was in the NFL at the time. And it's like, hey, let me take you for a ride my, after my junior season. And this is what you should be doing, getting yourself ready, trying to show me, hey, this is the agent you need to talk to. And I almost looked at him like he was tripping, like, no, nah, <laughs> man, I'm straight. And he's like, you going back? You knew it all and along. I, I knew it. Two reasons. One, I promised my mom I was going to get an education. So where I'm from, the education might not seem like it's something that kids go after. But in my household, I don't think no one else had one. So shit, I I will accomplish something real big if I go out there and get my education, a college degree. And, yeah, the money sounded good. You can hear all that stuff. But my mentality at the moment, I wasn't ready. I truly wasn't ready. I didn't know what. What it was like with or without the money, so at the end of the day I'm not hurting for
0: it right now, you know what I'm right. saying you so can't even, like picture how much money that is so it I, matter, I right? can
3: see it I can you know I, I can almost imagine what it would be like what what a life changing you know it, it would change my life and our our family lives, but right now, my mom and dad bust their behinds, and I'm okay with that they're okay with that, and I'm in school, and they definitely okay with me doing what I'm doing in school so I feel like when that time come, I shall be ready and one more year was it gonna hurt me? For myself, you know, we they, we always send in our our draft grades. You know, we we
2: we, we request our draft grades, and um, before my junior season, like that was never even a thought for myself. But like you say, you know, shutting down Larry Fitzgerald, like it and went from, Calvin Johnson, yeah, and Calvin Johnson, it went from here to it literally skyrocket. Yeah, and they told me, you know, we're projecting him to go anywhere from late first to early second. For me, you know. Education was also, that was always my number one priority, education, education. I played football because I loved it. I didn't play football seeking to go to the NFL. You know, all that thing, all those things kind of happened in stride. So my number one thing was education. And after that, once that platform was presented to me as far as late second round, I mean, late first round, early second, I was like, nah, (laughs) that ain't good enough for me. Like, I, I, need, I need that top 10 money. You know, that that was my mindset. I want that top 10 money. I know that if I give myself another year, I can reach this platform. And I just bet on myself. I always bet on myself. You know, no matter what the situation is, no matter how, you know, impossible the odds may seem, I'm going to bet on myself for 100 out of 100 times. And that was
0: before the rookie wage scales. That top ten money was a lot different back yeah, then. Yeah, oh, top yeah, Top ten, big,
3: big money to come <laughs> out in the first top ten guy. Yeah,
0: a little different now. How connected are you guys to the U? Um, you know, I was like you are saying. You know, you guys you wear each other's number and you you are always following that guy. But through all the changes the last couple of years, uh, some some lean years for the Hurricanes. are You guys still pretty involved with everything going on down there. I'm still involved to a certain
3: extent. You know, I'm I'm in Washington more. But when I'm home, you know, I come home to visit the family. You know, uh, I've been a part of the Paradise Camp they had this past um, summer. And I tried to make sure. I remember at one point in time, we didn't work out nowhere but at UM. All the guys, whether you were still in the league or not, if you went to work out, you was going to be in that gym. A lot of coaches done change now, so you kind of – Kind of, you know, you don't know if you accept it the same way, but they've showed us that, hey, these doors are wide open, especially when I just experienced the experience that I had throughout the paradise camp. But I was just explaining to someone backstage, I'm looking forward to the game tomorrow for that particular reason because. I have been away for so long. I haven't watched any practices this offseason, so I'm really looking forward to see where our offense is at. I think I have a, uh, something in my mind about the defense because of what I saw the past two seasons, and they only could get better, you know, just knowing that they still have a bunch of those those guys. that The main nucleus is still there, but offensively I'm really intrigued about what it's going to look like, and that's one of the things I'm looking forward to the most this year.
0: How about you? Um,
2: I don't spend as much time there as, as I would really like to. Uh, like I said, I had – three kids on three years old so <laughs> that's what my focus is that's what my priority has been and you know it, it literally it takes up all my time but I, I have watched a few practices you know I've, I've also participated in the Paradise Camp uh, for a couple of years and you know I'm like Santana defense I think defense can go out there and hold their own for the most part um, you know they still have what I well we like to call a couple of dogs on that defense that can set the tempo Offensively is going to be the huge question mark for me. You know, the offensive line. We know at skill position they're always going to have some guys that can, once the ball's in the hand, they can make things happen. But our big question is going to be quarterback, offensive line. You know, can they manage the offense? Can they score when given the opportunity? So it's going to be a it's going to be a huge test. You know, for man Diaz and, and the U.M. Hurricanes going up against Florida on Saturday.
1: Yeah, and everyone we talked to, I mean, before the draft, we had Gerald Willis on from Miami and they love Manny Diaz. Are you guys you know, buying all the hype that's surrounding him right now? I
3: am. I mean, I'm pretty sure Trell a defensive guy and those guys tick a little differently. They 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 wired a little <laughs> differently. And I can say being a guy that played both growing up, that's probably the reason why I play offense the way I did, because I was a true corner safety at heart. That's like right now, if you put me in a a flag game, you know, they have all these games now for guys like ourselves who who retired veterans and like, hey, you want to come play in this, you know, game? First thing I say, only if I'm playing defense. If I'm playing corner, I will play. I don't have nothing in me in the
0: tank. left. You're not trying to be out there cutting and running. I'm
3: playing offense. I'm playing defense because I I can read the quarterback all day. That's what I grew up doing. But the way that Manny Diaz is, is wired, the way he has his defense wired, that's one of the reasons why I was so hyped about him being the head coach because he wants that offensively too. Yeah. He wants that same mentality, that same motive. He wants what motivated that defense. He wants that on the offensive side, and that's what we've been lacking the last few years. So if he can have those guys going out there, because one of the things I remember of my playing years there, you know, we had a coach, uh, Curtis Johnson, and he's a wide receiver coach of the New Orleans Saints right now. And he used to tell me and Reggie Wayne and Andre Johnson, and you name it, the, the host of other probably, you know, NFL wide receivers. Pro Bowlers. You all know, of them, you know. He would tell us, in order for us to win on the offensive side, we got to do something special as receivers. So man, our mentality in every game was like, if we don't do nothing special, we don't win. And when you go back and look at those years, there's always something special coming out of that core of guys. So that's what you need. You need a coach that's going to motivate those guys to be, you know, not who they plan on being, but something beyond that, something beyond they can even imagine. And that's what Manny Diaz did on that defense. With when, when that turnover chain and all that stuff that they did, yep. they, they didn't expect to, for it to be what it is now, but it's because he pushed them to the limit. And they went beyond the limit that he pushed them to, and that's why it becomes so big. And so I'm hoping offensively we can have that same kind of, you, know, um, you know, surge in us coming this season.
0: How about you as the defensive guy? you believe in Manny Diaz and, and everything he's brought to the table so far? 200%. You know, Manny, he, Manny is, a, is a fiery guy. Very
2: you know, as, as we all, we can witness that. You know, just from the sidelines, you can witness that as spectators. <sighs> but it, I'm, I'm a firm believer in coaches, coach players play the game. Yeah. And as a coach, you can fire guys up. You can, you can have them as prepared as you want. But that's only going to last for so long. You know, if it doesn't come within as a player, you're dead in the water. So the ultimate test is going to be as the players, who's going to lead and who's going to be the leaders that lead the others? Who's going to follow the train? Who's going to set the example? Who's going to set the tempo and keep the tempo riding? We know you have a couple of those guys on defense. The question mark is going to be who are going to be those guys on offense and can they honestly lead? And I always said in my time at University of Miami, I get there and there's a 6'5 lanky white boy, quarterback, Ken Dorsey. But I've never saw a general lead a group of black receivers. Whatever Ken said, you had Ed Reed to follow, you had Andre Johnson to follow, you had Jeremy Shockley to follow. He was the complete general. And I think right now at University of Miami, that's what we've been missing for so long. Someone who's not afraid to step out front and lead. Doesn't matter your skin color. Doesn't matter your physique. It only matters your mindset and what you believe. And if you know you're a leader and you can lead these guys then go out there and do it. And I think that's what they've been lacking for you know, quite some time now.
1: Santana, that's, who's the best quarterback you think you've ever played with? I know you had great times with Pennington. He was hurt a lot, but a lot of success there. Obviously, back at Miami. Who do you think the best one is that you played with? So you with? want me to pick all the quarterbacks? All, all of them. highest from what? College? Let's start from college oh. through NFL. I know you've played with a lot of
3: quarterbacks. <laughs> Honestly, man, uh, college, I would say hands down, it's hard to say just Ken Dorsey because I did some great things with Kenny Kelly. But what he just spoke on on Ken Dorsey, hit it dead on. Ken Dorsey came in because Kenny Kelly got hurt in a Virginia Tech game. I remember it like it was, you know, yesterday. And I also remember that game, him throwing a ball so high that I got my back blown out. And Nate Webster attacked him. As soon as we were coming off the field, Nate Webster jacked him up. And was like, you ever get Santana hit like that? Like, he really was, (laughs) like, that's the type of guy we are on our team. Right. (laughs) If you ain't do something right, they was gonna jack you up and they was gonna deal with it. Like, our coaches didn't have to coach us, the players was gonna coach us. And so Nate Webster jacked Dorsey up, and I told Nate, nah, leave him alone. I gotta make that play. Because I wanted this guy to believe, look, throw it again. Yeah. Next time I'm gonna have it. And Dorsey looked at that and said, and he was a young buck, he was a freshman. And he said, man, I appreciate that. And that's how our relationship started. So the way we went from there is crazy, as ironic as it might sound, that's how we grew to be who we were as a combo when it comes to the plays that I was able to put up my the rest of that year with him and my senior year. And you go over, so hands down in college, I'll have to give him the nod. But professionally, um I spoke, I speak a lot about it now on my podcast, on different shows I do up in Washington, DC. The quarterbacks I love the most. And the pros was the was the older guys, the guys that experienced a lot. And it was Vinny Testaverde with the Jets. Yep. Even though I love Chad, Chad threw balls. It was soft as Charmin. You know, anyone going to catch that pass. <laughs> yep. Trust yep. me, I got to give Chad his credit. But I, I, I did bigger things with both of those guys. But Vinny was a guy I appreciate a little more, I think, because of his arm strength. Yep. And when I wasn't in the, the progression, he still got me the ball. Yep. That's something that a receiver like myself, you know, that's the – you know, what we want. We want to be that guy that no matter what play is called, even when I'm backside, you can get me the ball. So Vinny did that for me in New York. And when I got to uh, D.C., Mark Brunel, the season that we had my first year out.
1: Crazy. It was yeah. crazy
3: how short it was cut because Mark was just didn't give him the opportunity to to be the guy that I knew he could be the next couple of years that I had with him. But uh, Mark Brunel, he was like Vinny. It was like being, in, being with Vinny all over again. I remember the first year. Uh, One of my fondest memories of Mark, you could say that 2005 season was very memorable from us, that that Monday night miracle that we experienced in in Dallas and just my stats alone and Mark's stats. But in 06, one of my fondest memories, one of my best games that I think of my career, we played Jacksonville. And we was playing them at home. And I'm a Florida guy, so you know you want to beat your Florida teams. Right. You no, know, we have one of those things about us. Like when you play a team from where you you grew up and, and who you've been watching, you want to stick it to them. And early in that game, I ran a play backside, and Mark came to me surprisingly. And he said, "Hey, how how did you look?" And what receiver going to tell you that he wasn't open? I was open. Not a single one <laughs> in the <wide> world. <laughs> <laughs> and I was lying. <laughs> and I was lying. But hey, you asked me, so I'm gonna t- Yeah, I was open, Mark. And surprisingly, we get into the game, it's now we're going into overtime. I already have two touchdowns, and we break the huddle. It's the same play we ran in the first quarter. And I'm just saying to myself, damn, I told Mark I was open last time. (laughs) I better make sure I be open this time because he might come to me. I look at my coverage, pre-snap read. I got a cloud on my side. I say, all right, they're doubling me. I had uh, Deion Grant playing safety, and I forgot who the cornerback was, but I saw his positioning, how he had his back to the sideline, a little shade inside me. i like, this is cover two. And so when I took my two steps off the line, he didn't budge. I said, all right, I'm going to go around him because it's cover two. I see Grant covering the top. So the way I run routes, in the, you know, I'm always running the same tempo. I said, let me still get to my point just to make sure I got there. I wasn't loafing, and I see the ball in flight coming my way. So I peek at Deion Grant, I peeked back at the ball, and I just made a play on it, took it to the house. We win the game. Mark Mark Brunel came back to me when I told this guy that I was open. And that right there was something that a lot of the other quarterbacks that I had a chance to play with, I never experienced. That these guys ask you these questions because they want to have the best chance to have a, you know, for us to win. Yeah. And I experienced that with all the elder guys. I never got a chance to experience it with the young quarterbacks, and I had a lot of those guys in my career.
0: Antro, when we were talking to Clinton, and he was laying down the case for running back you at Miami, and now everyone wants to talk about Ohio State, Texas, might be DBU, but I would, just the list of guys that played at Miami, from before you to the time that you were there and a little bit after, I, I would love for you to make the case for Miami to be DBU.
2: Well, I'm not making the case. That's exactly what it is.
0: <laughs> It's just that simple,
2: right? Yeah, it's, okay, it's yeah. just that simple. I mean, when you're talking about Universal Miami and our time there Santana times and, you know, the times where you had Al Blaze and, you know, the Benny Blaze and Brian Blaze, it, we, it, not only do we excel on the, college, on the collegiate level, we excel on the NFL level also. Yeah. You know, when you're talking about Ed Reed, the Sean Taylors, and myself, I mean, the, the, the list goes on and on and on. And, there's a couple of guys, like in my opinion, one of the best corners I've ever witnessed, and I was a huge fan of. Also, was Philip Buchanan. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, to me, his NFL career didn't pan out as I would have thought it would, because he was honestly, he was dynamic. Yeah, like he was special. He do everything. Everything. He was he was a special breed at University of Miami, and obviously, you know, when he went to the NFL, you know, he experienced some things that probably could have. You know, swayed his career one way or another. You know, I I can't be the one to really speak up on that, but he was a guy I was looking to see. Like, you know, this guy is going to do some amazing thing, like a Charles Woodson type player in NFL at that type of caliber, but with a more more of an upside because he was faster, he was stronger, he he was he was he was, he was special. Yeah. yeah, he was he was he was a gifted breed. But University of Miami, I mean, there's there's corners and safeties come out of Alabama, LSU, you know. That yeah, you give credit where credit due I mean some of those guys are, are absolutely phenomenal but I'm going to always say that University of Miami is DBU just from what we produce in college and also how
1: we sustain it in NFL when you took your visit there besides Santana was there anyone that really stood out to you where you were like I need to go here like this is a part of the family that I want to be a part of
2: it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a visit that did it for me it was it was going to their practice just see how they work and i was just man I, for one it was two it was two thoughts that crossed my mind my first thought was man i I don't know if this is for me because it, it seemed like they were moving in fast forward yeah and I'm like I'm like okay like I can run them fast but these guys look like they're moving at a different pace I didn't know if I was ready for that and another thing was just the camaraderie, the, the brotherhood, the the intensity of practice. I've always been a physical guy. You know, I pride myself on being physical, being tough, and that's exactly what they showed me there their practice. And then once the whistle blew, this guy giving this guy water. They hugging, you know, they having fun, they jumping around. And I was like, how the hell did they switch that off <laughs> and all? Like, I didn't understand it. I really didn't understand it, but I wanted to be a part of yeah, it. Yeah, You know, I'm like, these guys, Crackback city, going like, like, literally trying to kill each other. And it was just practice. And once that whistle blew, it's like a, you know, it's like clap on, clap off. Yeah. And it, it, that brotherhood started to form. And you started to see that. You started to see, you know, they're talking about plays and what happened here. Boy, you lit me up here. like, And I wanted to be a part of that so bad. And then the same week, they play Florida State, and it's 200 degrees outside. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the stands. And all I see is these guys come out to smoke yeah. and I see this swag and I say, man, I want to be a part of that so bad. I, they didn't even have to win a the game.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have to win a game. It
2: was it was that energy. I was like, oh, my God, I got to be a part of this. Oh. So it, it was set in stone. It was hey, right. set in stone.
0: I love that. Before we let you guys go, we have to ask for a prediction for the game Saturday. And I think I know what you're both going to say, <laughs> but but I just want to put it on record.
3: I mean, they got us to lose. So I'm, I'm just going to say we're going to win. It's, it, it's easy. It's simple. You know, I mean, I think the last time we faced these guys, they was ranked and we upset them. So um, let's do it again. You know what I mean?
2: Well, you know, I'm all going day. my boys all day. Yeah, I, I knew you were all yeah. day, all day. Um, you know, I, and I don't, I don't, I don't want them just to win. I want them to dominate. Yeah. I want them to go out there and dominate. You know, set the tempo early, and hopefully they can they can keep that going. You know, for the for the games to come. It's a little disrespectful. I was just Miami's gonna
0: say, the top twenty five
2: and a seven point yeah, underdog. It's not disrespectful. Man. You gotta earn it, man. No, you gotta earn it. You gotta earn really? it, man. You know, fair right. enough. I love my you, yeah. but I'm not gonna be yeah. biased. You Gotta earn it. You gotta earn it, and yeah. they have they haven't earned it yet. No, it's no.
3: it's not disrespectful. You <laughs> you you get what you deserve. I would hate for them to come into this season with so much hype and they haven't earned it. So true. Don't give us nothing. Let's go out there and earn it. We'll and see if, Saturday. And if you see us creep back into that thing, you remember you heard it from us. There we go. We <laughs> appreciate right.
0: you guys. Thanks so much for coming out. We had a lot of Thank fun. Thank you, man.
3: Appreciate you. Definitely.
0: All right, that's a wrap on our shows from Caesars Palace in Las Vegas for the week. Uh, Thank you again to Clinton Portis, to Andrew Rold, Santana Moss for a great week. Next week, no Monday show. Connor and I will be at you Wednesday and then Mello and I Friday morning. And also, don't forget, we'll be on video next week. So be sure to hit the Bleacher Report YouTube channel. Thanks again to the crew here for making it a great week. For Connor, this is Matt. We'll talk to you all real soon.